0: Thank you for your patience. (sighs) it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a lot. Just trying, basically, my software stopped working, and then there was a lot of trial and error trying to fix it, and then it seeming fixed but not being fixed, and then trying to, um, edit the episode anyway, but each time I clicked, there would be like a ten, like literally a ten minute interval between clicking and the thing actually happening. It was taking an impossibly long amount of time, and then it stopped opening at all, and it's just been completely heinous. And I downloaded some other software, but the files weren't going to that new software very well. It was making everything wrong, and so, and then I gave up. I was like, you know I, what, I, I I, can't, I give up. I'm, duh. And I took a few days off from trying to fix it. And then I woke up yesterday morning and had an idea. And so that's what I'm doing now. And so far, so good. So <laughs> thank you for your patience. Little pocket full of listeners. I appreciate it very much. I was not for lack of effort, I can tell you that. I've genuinely missed doing this, though, and it's been good to try and get a little bit of thought around what I want this to look like in a more literal sense, so I'm still kind of thinking through some ideas about that, but, you know, it's just funny. I don't know if you feel this way at all, but for me, I can just get really bogged down in doing something correctly. Especially if it's something that I don't have, like, an enormous comfort level with. But then, usually, the correct thing is really unsatisfying because it's not, um, you know, it's not actually what I would want to make or what I would want to do or or things like that. Having a little bit of space has given me a little bit of time to think on that and, uh, think on if there's, you know, where ways where that's showing up in this podcast or just trying to open my mind and be like, if I was going to make a podcast any type of way, if there was, if I'd never heard another podcast before, like, what would that look like? You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about it like that. So that's all been, um, really, really interesting to have rolling around in the back of my head. So... I <laughs> said, yeah. So there's that. Okay, today what we're gonna talk about is negative space. Ooh, negative space. So my fellow artists are very familiar with this concept. Drawing one, you go into the art studio, and your teacher has everyone pull out their newsprint, <laughs> and your charcoals and you start talking about. Gesturing and negative space and things like that, which is great because it's extremely important fundamental stuff But in case you are not familiar, we're gonna talk through it a little bit negative space would be mm, It's Everything around the object basically. So if you were to take a picture of me, I would be the positive space and then everything around me that's not the subject of the piece is negative space. So in that drawing one class, there's always a tendency for people, including myself, I'm sure, to start out by outlining, and then, no, 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 the teacher says, no, 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 that is not negative space. That is an outline of the subject, which is like a real mind fuck for a minute, (laughs) because it's like, okay, we use, it's, the things around such that so I'm drawing. Okay, hang on. Okay, hang on. Wait a minute. Hi. Hello. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, basically, if you were to draw me a picture of me, let's say, because you just took that photograph, right? You're testing out the the composition, and now you're gonna do a little sketchy sketch. And you wanted to do the positive space first, so maybe you would. I don't know, you could draw the outline, you could not. You could do it however it is that you feel like sketching it, right? Terrific, fantastic, thank you so much for the sketch, it's amazing. And so then maybe you want to do a second sketch of the negative space. So, the problem with doing an outline of the subject, in this case, the physical body of the person that you're drawing, is that that is still the subject. It's not... The space around the subject. You know, you're still putting all of your focus on the subject and essentially drawing the subject, just drawing the outermost bit. With negative space, you wouldn't be starting that way. You might put your charcoal on the side and just start scrubbing at the paper and trying to leave an empty spot in the middle. That's the basic silhouette of the subject, but you're filling in everything outside of that. And you're not going up to an outline that you made and filling in up until the outline. That's not what you want to do. You want to leave it blank and go up with your scrubby 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 and do your best to leave it, you know, an accurate, as accurate as you can of the negative space. And that is a really interesting exercise. Arguably not at first, because at first it's like, come on, I'm a real artist, we don't have to start with these stupid things. I know things, like, ugh, ego, ego, ego. (laughs) Or maybe that's just me, I don't know. (laughs) But it's actually tremendously powerful. There's all types of stuff like that. Building blocks, right? Like, let's say, color. And we can all understand color theory, terrific, good for us. But then there's a difference when someone, um learns it to the degree where they're really a master of color, like a lot of the impressionists or expressionists. You know, their use of color was dynamic, to say the least. It could create a physical reaction in the viewer, but just the extreme intensity of the color and the way that they're combining them with each other, laying them beside each other, or it's just really, really, really powerful. And I think that we see that a lot. I think that's a concept that maybe we can all immediately kind of understand. You might hear some stuff guys, my neighbors are getting home. <laughs> um, so negative space is also a fundamental building block and like color theory, you can learn it and leave it there or you can learn it into this level of mastery and wield it. So That's like a really abstract conversation and I hope it made any sense at all. Um, If it didn't, I'm so sorry. So I've got a lot of examples here through a lot of different mediums and kind of get us on the same page about what the fuck I'm talking about here and why it's so exciting and all the rest. So, okay. And also I'm going to put these pictures or artists and stuff on Instagram so you can see it there if you're not in the mood to google it so the first example of really excellent use of negative space is a tv show (laughs) fraser Frasier is so good man listen hot take but Frasier is a lot better than friends so much better and so much better than sex in the city it's fucking hilarious ah it's so good But it also is a show that uses negative space really, really well. (laughs) And one really fun example of that is that there's this character, Maris. Arguably a main character. And you never actually see her. Throughout the nine or ten seasons of that show, you never meet Maris. It's just always like, oh, Niles, where's Maris? I thought she was coming to dinner. Oh, you know Maris. She saw one feather out of place and then burst into tears, the poor thing. Maris is... The wife of another main character, and we never speak to her or hear her, but she is still a part of the story a lot, which is really, really fun. <laughs> Each person watching Frasier has their own Maris inside their mind. And what's great about that is that it allows the audience to actually have a really good time because then they get to start filling it in and use, and their own brain is just like whirring away. So it can be very stimulating and simulating for your imagination and everything else, so that's one example. So another example for TV is I Lost My Body on Netflix, which is really terrific. The negative space in that movie is probably um, sound. I guess that's the wrong thing to say. There's still ambient sound, but there's no speech. There's no dialogue for huge portions of the movie. You're just watching a hand struggle across the city, and... They make it tremendously interesting. It just felt like a really different experience watching that movie. And I engaged with it in a really different way. I think we all did. The lack of dialogue allowed for a lot of space that then our brains got to fill in. So we ended up getting to create a ton of emotion and subtext. The way the hand moves, like if that was attached to a body of a person who was talking, you wouldn't necessarily think twice about it but the fact that it's a severed hand with no dialogue creates so much space that we get to really appreciate the hand and understand different levels and connections and meanings and subtext and just all these different things. And it's um, really, really powerful. So um the last, I think the last one for TV that I've got is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is hands down my favorite show. I will die on this hill. Don't, don't even come for me fucking great TV show. The episode I have in mind is the one where spoilers, but in fairness now it's been almost 30 years, so I think I think we're okay. But um ah, oh, I won't spoil it for you just in case you have not yet enjoyed The Power of Buffy. You are not free to do so. There's an episode where someone that we care about dies and the way that this episode is made, there's no soundtrack So there's large periods of silence, and it just lacks the typical editing that a normal episode would have, you know, where you're cutting to the punchiest bits, and you're following it in real time. So Buffy finds this person, and then you're following her through the house while she's vomiting or fixing herself back up and finding a phone and figuring out how to dial 911 and listening, and then going back to the body and it's very very slow it's like the actual time it would take for an actual person to be going through all these steps and there's no music there's nothing and the whole episode is kind of like that and it ends up being a really exceptional episode a lot of people who have experienced grief really connected with the way that they executed that episode and just felt like it was a really powerful depiction of that and that again is through absence creating space around the subject matter in, in a way that is powerful, instead of just there. Okay, relief printing is a way of interacting really directly with negative space. People used to engrave, for example, into silver plates, and then you rub the ink on the plate, and then you press it, and then you get the picture. <laughs> you get the picture, and you actually get the picture. Like Albrecht Dürer, really famous printer. And so, yeah, your man would carve, etch, whatever. And then he could create many prints of this one thing that he's made. Which is a concept that we're really familiar with, right? But we had to work our way up to printers. Along the way, this was a really ingenious solution. And in fact, lots of people still do that. It's the same concept as a stamp, except really complicated. Albrecht Dürer's especially were extremely complicated and and impressive. But I I bring it up because you're carving out the negative space so that the positive space is interacting with the ink. I, I don't really know how to say it more clearly than that, but you're very directly working with positive and negative space in this really intentional way so that the ink only touches certain parts and therefore... Is creating this print. I've got a few painters here. Okay, Wilhelm Sassnow. I might pronounce a lot of these wrong, but anyway, your boy's a painter and he's fucking sick. The way he uses negative space is fucking sick. So one of my favorite ones is this piece, a lawn, and then maybe a hedge or something, and then this little group of people in front of it. But the scale is really tremendous like the people are very small and the hedge is huge and there's really no detail in the hedge it's it's painted like a drawing one exercise well no shade will help like i don't mean i don't mean it like that i mean like um it's how i mentioned like getting scrubby with the charcoal and going up to the edges of the subject it's filled like that like it's this broad wild strokes of paint filling in the background instead of um creating more subject matter. He's got a bunch of paintings like that and they're just really incredible. So another person who's um really excellent at playing with foreground and background would be Pierre Bonnard, which isn't exactly the same thing as negative space, but they're definitely very closely related. For example, I'm looking at a painting that has a little A little vanity, um, some flowers on it, there's a basin, things like that, and there's a mirror above it. And the mirror is reflecting the background, but it's the most interesting part of the piece. So in this situation, um, let's see, what, what have we got here? I think it might be a bed with a dog on it, and a nude person is reclining on the edge of it. So you can't see that person's head or anything, it gets cut off by the mirror, increases the interest. Yeah, he just has this really fun way of playing with foreground and background, and making the background the foreground, and stuff like that. Another painting I really like by him. The point of view is in one room, and then through the room and through the doorway, you can see just the side bits of a woman getting ready, and she's naked, And so you can just see, like, her shoulder and the side of her breast and her hip, but she's looking at the side of the wall that we can't see, so it's just this really, really interesting, like I'm saying, way of playing with foreground and background. Urs Fisher has made some really extraordinary work, but your boy's website was really hard to navigate. Urs, listen, I'm sure you've won many awards and are a big fancy pants, but you Get someone else to design your website. Fucking ridiculous. The way that he applies to what we're talking about, he or, I don't know their pronouns, is that the sculptures are sort of melting. In a sense, the subject is disintegrating into the negative space, uh, which is extremely interesting. Joffrey Johnson, another artist, same sort of thing, His ground and sky are very nondescript, but huge portions of the artwork. Then Hope Gangloff, and I feel kind of torn about this one. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say this is true of all of their work. For a lot of Hope's drawings, the way that the subject is interacting with the space is extremely interesting. The people's bodies are in really interesting positions, and then Hope chooses to color in only certain parts of the piece, and other parts of it are left in black and white. So it's also playing with this idea of foreground and background and lending attention to different places. And the way that the artist has designed it allows the the viewer to interact with that space. Anyway, it's really, really cool. This one's probably my favorite of the whole thing. <laughs> Zhang... Chue Chue, I think. Chue Yeah. X-O-O-A-N-G-C-H-O-I. They are an extraordinary sculptor and they create these slightly disturbing images um, that are really fascinating. Here's one example. It's this angel's wing made of human hands. So there's no feathers, there's no bones, there's no anything. It's a collection of human hands. I don't think they're literally human hands, guys, but it's been curated in such a way and our minds are reading the negative space around it and understanding that they're angel wings. So things like that, that are just really terrific. So all of those artists are just really fucking incredible. The artist is creating it with a tremendous amount of skill to where it's almost like the viewer can't help but interact with the negative space and really bring our attention to it. All these different things I'm talking about, the mediums are changing, but the definition is not. This idea of negative space being valuable, absence being valuable, just takes a change in perspective to actually see. Instead of our eyes going from subject to subject to subject to subject and never even realizing that there's negative space around it. Hmm. Apart from art and literature and and things, valuing absence is something that we can see in other areas. So for example, I want to do an episode about celibacy because I've had a period of celibacy like a few years and it's been fucking great creating that space in my life has a, just like allowed me to understand where my edges are and have a real sense of autonomy in a lot of different things that are just like terrific and I'm gonna just save it for another episode <laughs> with Sawin around the corner negative space kind of fitting in in the themes for Samhain loss. Choosing to see death as a natural part of the cycle that allows life to endure on a large scale. We can do like a Samhain episode if you guys are interested. I've been thinking about negative space a lot this week because I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about something else, but they mentioned how writers can include negative space in their work in this way that allows the audience to get excited about it and to get imaginative about it and to really participate while reading it. I'm writing a book Lions Right is the working title R I T E and um it's really good but <laughs> it's really... I mean I do think it's really good but yeah sometimes guys I'm just not used to talking and My mouth doesn't know what to do with itself talking into this microphone, so I don't know. I'll get better at it. (laughs) Um, but one thing that I've been wrestling with is whether or not there's too much happening. Because it's a- it's a book of poetry and images, um, over, like, a nine-year period. A very interesting nine-year period, (laughs) but there's so many different things happening throughout that sometimes I'm not sure how effectively, yeah, I've just been kind of wrestling with it and trying to figure it out. And so that podcast, it was just like a really great idea. So that's something that I'm working on right now with the book. Looking for places where I can clear away some things and allow a little more mystery or allow the audience to fill it in as they will you know, which is something that I really enjoy in my poetry sometimes. But in this large project of this book, it's a very different exercise to look for larger scale negative space. So that's what I'm working on. I'm excited about it, but it's definitely really hard. I'd like to share with you a few poems that I wrote. I love the challenge of Creating an entire world in a sentence. And I think you'll see what I mean. But really, that happens through negative space. So using the shortness of the poem, for example, in a way that allows the audience member to start filling in a ton of the information. So we loved each other tremendously, just not well. My pillow could take lessons from your chest. Titled screaming, my voice made love to his name. Yeah. (laughs) Let me open this. That's kind of nice, right? To be honest with you, the thing I find most difficult about podcasting is it, it's just really challenging to continue talking for a long time without feeling like an idiot, <laughs> you know, or just saying things and saying things and just feeling like I'm repeating myself or like, oh, that's so stupid, or you're not being clear, or... You know, just all this negative self-talk. So it can be really difficult to talk for a long period of time. But honestly, this is, like, a perfect opportunity to work through a lot of that. Because <laughs> I, I do have things to say, and I really want to create a podcast. And I I do, I don't want it, yeah. I know, I guess I guess I know what I want it to be, and I know what I don't want it to be. So, thank you for giving me the space to... Try and make mistakes, and yeah, I think just that is an incredibly valuable gift to give someone. So, thank you very much. I appreciate that a lot. And in closing today, I'm going to read you Funeral Blues by W.H. Auden. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos. And with muffled drum, bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. Let aeroplanes circle moaning overhead, scribbling on the sky the message, He is dead. Put crepe bows round the white necks of public doves. Let the traffic policemen wear Black cotton gloves. He was my north, my south, my east and west. My working week and my Sunday rest. My noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now. Put out, every one. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun, pour away the oceans, and sweep up the wood, for nothing now could ever come to any good. Hey, so it's Editing Gemma here. I always forget to ask you guys to follow me, so if you're not subscribed, it'd be awesome if you'd do that, or if you'd want to, like, um, and I'm on Instagram, g-u-i-o-m-a-r-d dot on Instagram, and the podcast has its own Instagram, too, Smattering of Heresy, without the A. Yeah, and I have a Patreon, and I just came out with a zine for Sawin. so, um, contact me on Instagram. Can you hear Avery's little tippy-tappies? <laughs> um contact me on instagram if you're interested in um yeah in purchasing the zine it's also a limited edition zine so that makes it kind of special so anyway uh, contact me if you if you're interested so okay bye guys